Thank you to the team that led us in music this morning, a powerful moment of just worshiping and putting our focus onto God and who He is. Um, before we jump into the message, I was asked to remind all our youth that's sitting in the venue to please go and join our youth leaders, not here in the front, but as they are going to the back, that you would also follow them to your back as so you're going to have your own service, so everybody that's part of youth or is new and you don't know where to go, please join our leaders there at the back as you'll have your own moment together. I want us to, for a moment, just imagine, um, when was the last time that you watched a movie where the end of the movie just turned out completely different than what you expected? Where you get to the end of the movie and you go like, whoa, didn't see that one coming. It just, it just, it's just one of those moments we go, wow, that was unexpected. Just turns out differently. As I was thinking and preparing for this morning, the only recent movie that I can remember where I had that feeling, and please don't judge me on this, and some of you might know and some of you might know, but it was Avengers Infinity Wars. Okay. If you don't know what's happening now, bear with me. There's another couple of minutes that we're going to speak about. But some of you are nodding. There's this moment in Infinity Wars, and I'm not going to give it away, where uh, the bad guy, Thanos, just snaps his fingers. And I go, what happened now? I mean, there's like three movies before this movie that builds up to this moment, and it's just completely unexpected. They're like, what happens now? How does the story go from here? Have you, seen, have you seen that Infinity War? There's more of you that would like to admit it than what you're willing to do. It's just unexpected. Can you think of a movie that had an unexpected ending that just grabbed you? Could you quickly share with the person next to you what was that movie? So everybody got their unexpected ending movie. We just didn't see it coming, and that end surprised you. Isn't it weird our life has this tendency to throw things, us, to, uh, to throw things at us that's just completely unexpected? Often in this life, things that will, ha- will happen to us that we just didn't see coming. Moments that we just didn't see it coming. It is so unexpected. 
might it be at the end of our lives that the ending of our story might be different than what we expected. Today we're ending our, our series on miracles, and if you've been visiting us for a couple of weeks, you would know that the last six or seven weeks we've been speaking into this theme of miracles, because we believe God is still doing miracles today, and we desire to see miracles in our lives. We want to see God, the power of God moving in our lives, but ultimately we want to see this so that others will know Him. And we looked at different miracles throughout the book of John, and this morning we're going to look at one of the last miracles that Jesus performed before He was crucified. Probably one of the most significant miracles that is full of unexpected moments. We're going to look at where Jesus raised Lazarus from the death. And if you have the Bible with you, I'd love you to turn to John 11. You would see there on the screen, those of you attentive from verse 1 to 40, we're not going to read all 40. Okay. I might lose some of you. I lost some of you with Avengers. Um, but to understand the significance of what's happening, we're going to read quite a lot of the Scripture. And I want to ask that if you have your Bible, that you would follow with me in this. Verse 1, I'm reading from a new NIV translation. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, The sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. From the beginning, we see that there's this deep connection between Jesus, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Over and over in this first couple of verses, we see how, how John is trying to help us understand this wasn't just a random stranger asking Jesus for help. There was deep, intimate relationship between them. They loved each other. There's history. There's relational trust amongst them. They had a shared history, shared experiences amongst them. They loved each other. And these sisters are reaching out to Jesus, saying, the one that you love. It's not just Jesus, Lazarus. It's the one that you love is in real trouble, and we need your help. And then we read this really unexpected verse. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Loved him, but he didn't do anything. Loved him, but didn't do anything for the next two days. We're going to jump to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus has, had already been in the tomb for four days. Lazarus is dead. Okay, that's the modern day version. He's dead. Four days already. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary 
to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Not now, but in the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Turns to Martha. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe. And listen what she answers. Not that there will be a resurrection. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Do you believe, Martha? Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, Son of God, that will come into the world. But we cannot help but get stuck on Martha's words before this to Jesus. She comes to Jesus. She says, if you were here, if you were here, my brother would not have died. He would still be alive. You cannot help but hear the, the frustration and disappointment in this moment. Jesus, if you were here, what Martha is saying to Jesus, Jesus, you are late. You're late. My brother's dead. We asked you to come. We reminded you of your love, and you're late. Where were you? Where were you, Jesus? Why didn't you come? Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the same response. Jesus, where were you? Jesus, you're late. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Lord, it is too late. It is too late. Don't do this. And then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Do you read that last sentence with me? Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Let's pray. Lord, as we turn to your word, we come with so much humility and a willingness to learn and be directed by your truth. And Lord, I pray this morning as we submit our unexpected moments to you, that you would minister through your word and by the power of your spirit to our hearts. 
you would come and lead us into your truth, Lord, and ultimately that we'll see your glory through your word. This morning we want to declare again, we believe your word is alive and active. We believe you are who you say you are, and we believe that your spirit can do so much more than what we can sense in this moment. Therefore, Lord, because we believe, may we see your glory in this moment. We pray and ask this in your name. Amen. So we look at this account of, of what's happening here, and Martha and Mary is confronted with the reality of this world. There's a certain reality that they are facing in this moment. Lazarus is dead. There's realities of this world that is inevitable. There's certain things about this world that we do not dare to de deny, that we sometimes fear to speak on, but there's a certain reality to this world. In this world, we will face hardship. In this world, there will be at one stage or another moments of sickness. I'm sometimes surprised how, how, how Christians would believe because we follow Jesus, no bad thing will happen to us. I remember an occasion where a young guy came to me after a Sunday service, uh, and at that stage I recovered from sickness, and his question was, did you not have enough faith because you got sick? I was caught off guard. Sometimes there's this idea that because we follow Jesus and love Him, no bad thing will happen to us. I mean, wouldn't that be a great advert for Christianity? If you follow and love Jesus, this world will be Disney World. No bad thing will happen to you. Sickness will not come to you. You will have more than enough in your bank account at all occasions. Every person will love you. No one will be rude towards you. There will be no discrimination against you. It's just easy to be a Christian. And we would laugh at that and say, well, that's ridiculous. But yet sometimes we fear the realities of life. In this world, we'll face hardship. Part of that hardship is sickness. Part of that difficulty is death. It's inevitable. In this world, we will face discrimination and injustice. We will face hardship and pain, sorrow. This world is not Disney World. It's not all about fun and enjoyment. This world is suffering because of the effects of sin. We live in a broken world. If we look around us, the world is broken. It's not just ESCOM, everything. This world is broken. When God created the world, it was perfect. God created it and He said, it is good. But through man's disobedience, sin entered this world. And through sin, death and suffering entered this world. And we live in a world that's broken. We feel its brokenness. Sometimes we suffer because of the effects of sin on this world. Sometimes we suffer because of the effects of sinful decisions of others. If I just decide this morning, I'm going to take this chair and I'm going to invite Harry onto the stage. Don't come, Harry. I'm going to afraid this example might backfire. 
but I just take this chair, and out of my sinful decision, decide to hit Harry, he will suffer, not because of something he did, because of something that I did. Sometimes we suffer because of the sinful decisions of others. Sometimes we suffer because of our own sinful decisions and the consequences of our decisions. The reality of this world is this world is broken. And because of sin, at one stage or another, we will face pain and heartache. And we see how Martha and Mary reaches out to Jesus in this reality of this world moment, in this reality of something is happening that they didn't expect, something is happening that they didn't see coming. They're reaching out to Jesus, and they ask Jesus, Jesus, would you help? Would you help us, God? Lazarus is dying, and we need you. And then Jesus does something that is completely unexpected. In a sense, we can say he goes against his love and he does something that we didn't see coming. He acts unexpectedly. Although he loved him, he waited two days to do anything. It seems as if Jesus is late. It seems as if Jesus does not care. Martha and Mary accuses Jesus in a sense and saying, you're late, where were you? This would not have happened if you were here. Even the Jews looks at Jesus and they see him crying and they question if he loved Lazarus this much, why didn't he save him? He said he could save the random blind guy, why didn't he save the one that he loved? We might call these moments where God does not act the way that we hope and expect for as the mystery of God. It's a mystery. We don't know why Jesus did this. Sometimes in this world, we face the mystery of God. Sometimes it seems as if God is late. Been hoping and trusting God and for a miracle in your life, and it just is not there. Been praying for years and years and years for breakthrough, and it doesn't happen, and it seems as if God is late. Might even seem as if God doesn't care. It might seem as if God is far off and distant. Maybe you come to a place where you question the love of God. If God loves us, why is He allowing this? If God's heart is for me, if He can do all these things, why is He, coming, is he not coming through? And often in this realities of life and the mysteries of God, Good meaning people will try and give answers as to the mystery of God and will say something to bring comfort. In the hope of comfort, we will tell people, well, God came and He picked His prettiest flower. And people intend to bring comfort, but it brings more questions and pain. Someone has died. Why would God pick a flower? 
good intentions will try to give answers to the mystery of God, and we'll say, well, God knows you're strong enough to carry this burden. That's why He's allowing it. It sounds great and very spiritual. But the reality is we don't know. We don't know why God seems late. We don't know why God does not always come through when we expect Him. We don't know when God acts unexpectedly. Why? That's why it's a mystery. It's a mystery of God. In this world, there's certain answers that we might not get. Why did Jesus wait? Don't know. Why did this happen to me? Where was God? The honest answer is, we don't know why. This is the mystery of God. Why does God sometimes come through in miraculous ways and other times He doesn't? But there's something that gives us hope in this unexpected moment. It's something that we can hold on to. And we might hold on to the hope that even though we might not know and always understand the mystery of God, we may always appeal to the power of God. We might not understand what's happening. We might feel as if God is late. We might feel as God is far off. But we can always, like Mary and Martha, instead of what we feel, instead of what we experience, still appeal to the power of God. Knowing that if God decides to act in this moment, Things will change in an instant. He's powerful and almighty enough to change our circumstances. Jesus arrives at this tomb and they say, no, 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 don't, don't, don't. It's four days already. Jews believe your soul lingered with your body for a couple of days, but after four days, your soul was gone. They're saying the body's already decaying. It is hopeless. And Jesus, with one command, speaks and he says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb and he walks out of death on the voice of Jesus, the command of Jesus. And there's a place where we appeal to the power of God, where God just has to speak. Sickness be gone. And we'll see a move of God. We might not always understand the mystery of God, but we may always appeal to the power of God. I want to invite Aisle and your listener. Where are you guys? Yeah, you can give them a hand. So some of you know it's our family. So this might be a tough moment. You're welcome to sit on this side. And uh, they're going to share a little bit from uh, a moment where they experience the mystery of God and the power of God. Um, so guys, thank you for being willing to do this. Um, I know it takes something from you as well, but before we get into this, uh, on the 8th of December in 2021, um, you received the reality of life moment news. And before we speak about what happened in that moment, would you just give us a little bit of background, share a bit of the build-up to this moment. Okay. Um, so in 20... <clears throat> Sorry. Um, <laughs> in 2021, um, 
during prayer and fast, we, one of our prayer points was, do we, or should we, um, and what's God's opinion on having a third child? And, um, yeah, we both experienced that God said yes, and at the end of the year, Elisna felt pregnant. And unlike the first two daughters we have, God didn't give us a, um, a name. Oh, God gave us a meaning with the two girls. That he gave us a meaning, and we searched for names that, that aligned with the meaning. But um, with this, uh, with our boy, he didn't. And uh, God gave me the name Reinhard. Um, so directly translated meaning pure heart, and we should spell it the same, Reinhard without a D. Um, yeah. Okay, so you guys prayed about it. Should we have a third child? You felt God say yes, and different to the previous two, God gave you a really clear name, Reinhardt. Okay, and like you explained, Aisel, pure heart. And this was a couple of weeks before the 20, oh, before the 8th of December. So share with us what happened on the 8th of December 2021. What was that reality of life moment? So, Jonah, the um, gynecologist referred us to a cardiologist because she said she picks up that there's something wrong with his heart and she can't really make the, the call. So, we went to a pediatric cardiologist on the 8th of December and after he scanned Reinhardt's heart for an hour, um, he said, the first thing that he said is, have you as a couple talked about termination yet? And can I talk you through this? through her abortion, and we immediately said, no, there's no way that we will abort. I was 23 weeks pregnant, and he said, okay, then he will give us the, the diagnosis um, of this baby, and he was diagnosed with hyperplastic left heart syndrome, which means the left side of his heart um, didn't develop at all, so it was less than half of the size that it should be, and his aorta was like the third of the size that it should be. Which means, while I'm pregnant, he won't be affected at all. But the moment that he's born, he won't be, um, yeah, there will be low oxygen. And we won't know if he will be able to breathe. Um, so he said he will most probably have a surgery the first week of life. Then again on six months again. And then on when he's a year old again. So three surgeries during the first years of his life. He said his life expectancy will be about 20 years, and um, his quality of life will really be low. He won't be able to run around like a normal child because he won't have enough oxygen or blood flow in his body. So he will be able maybe to um, brush his teeth or dress himself, but he won't be able to be a normal kid. Um, yeah, he will really have a low life expectancy. So here's this moment... <clears throat> With the mystery of God and the reality of life clashes, mystery of God, God told you, yes, for a third child. Uh, you're expecting a healthy pregnancy, a healthy child, and yes, the reality of life. Best option from the doctor's side, terminate. Basically, there's no life. Or life expectation. How did you respond to this? This moment of the reality of life versus the mystery of God. Yeah, so me and your listener, after that session, we stood in the parking lot broken. <laughs> you, um, like you said, Jonah, your expectation, your dreams, and your, your, your hope for this child, um, you know, you're confronted with 
medicine and with reality. Um, but we held each other and we prayed and we said, we will, we will glorify God through this. His name will be praised no matter the outcome. Um, and uh, Reinhardt's life, how short it would be, would testify of God's goodness. Yeah, yeah Jonas, so we, um, it was obviously a very difficult time, um, but we went and looked what Reinhardt means, and it, it, meant, it means brave and courageous. And the scripture that went with it was John verse, uh, um, Joshua 1 verse 9 that says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, for I will be with you wherever you go. So we immediately knew that God is with us. Um, we were broken. We were really broken. Um, but we knew that God is, is in the situation and he won't leave us. He said, I won't leave you. It doesn't matter what happens to, to Reinhardt. Um, he will be with Reinhardt and he will, will be with us as parents. And I know I, I, I wasn't going to ask this. What were some of the practical things that you did? There's this place where you went, okay, we're still going to glorify God. We're still going to trust Him. God is with us. So what were some of the practical things that you did? Yes, we prayed a lot. <laughs> um, and I think in the times that, that, that you can't think and your, your head just um, takes over with fear, we proclaimed God's goodness, and we prayed what God said about this, that boy. We mm. said, Lord, you said he's going to be strong and courageous. Mm. doesn't matter what happened. Um, we really prayed for a miracle, but we knew that God doesn't have to do the miracle mm. to be good. Um, he can be born with that diagnosis, with hyperplastic left heart syndrome, and it doesn't change God's character. That's, God is still good. Um, so, yeah, that's what we proclaimed. And we said, Lord, if he's going to live 20 years, it will glorify you. Um, if he's going to die at birth, his life will glorify you because we know you have a plan with this boy's life. So there's this intentional decision we're going to glorify God regardless of what happened. We're going to pray and trust for the power of God, but... We're going to glorify God. And the way we're doing this was going to glorify God. Since then, would you share with us what has happened? Um, yeah, Jonas. So um, during one of the many visits to the um, cardiologist, uh, one of my questions were, were um, okay, what does it look like when he's born? Practically, what do we need to prepare for? And he took us through the steps um, and basically said after his birth, a day or two after his birth, He'll, be, he'll get a, a major operation. He'll be in ICU for 14 to 21 days, after which he can go home. Um, and we can look at, you know, a specialized caretaker for the beginning because we're both working and so on. So, um, but during this time, we also... Uh, yeah. Uh, so he was born the 7th of March um, in Johannesburg in a um, hospital. And um, after, the, uh, after um, the doctor examined him, um, they found nothing wrong with his heart. It was a healthy heart. Yeah. And he, was, he stayed in ICU for three days. And he was um, emitted. Of, um, discharged. Is that right? <laughs> three days. 14 to 21 days in ICU turned into three days and he was discharged. Yeah, so he was discharged, Jonah, but he, um, yeah, he was discharged, but um, they said they just want to 
um, make sure, because he said something on his altar doesn't look fine, but his heart was completely healed. So he said he just wanted to make sure his altar is fine. So we had to go for regular, regular checks. And then in October, um, the doctor said there's quite a significant coarctation, a narrowing on the aorta, which, which needs to be fixed. And um, he needs to go in for an operation. And again, we thought, oh my word, here we go again. Um, and this time, um, yeah, the doctor said, okay, it's seven to 10 days. That's gonna be in ICU and he's gonna need the surgery. And he was operated the 4th of November on his aorta. And um, they fixed that. And then last week, the 17th of Feb, we went for our last checkup. And the doctor's words to me um, was, um, he can't find anything wrong. His heart, his aorta, his valves, everything around his heart is 100%. His words was, it's a textbook heart. Um, and I asked him, what's the chances of anything happening to his heart again that we, um, that we have to look out for? And he said, Nothing will happen. The chances are zero. So, yes. So from uni to terminate. It's because I watch Avengers. From uni to terminate to there's nothing wrong. What did you discover about God? Um, God is good. God is faithful. And when God promises something, you can bank on that promise. <laughs> so we live in a broken world, but if we hang on to God, and if we stay close to Him, we'll be okay. Yeah, and I think the, the scripture to His um, name, Joshua 1 verse 9, says, I will never leave you. He never leaves us. Um, he never, never leaves us. And during the most difficult parts where I had to leave him in ICU and I couldn't stay with him, God was with me and God was with Reinhardt. So he never leaves us. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. Um, our circumstances doesn't change his character. Mm. And, yeah, and I think the other thing is just um, he's really the Prince of Peace. No one can give peace like him. Um, not a counselor, not a best friend, not a parent. No one can give peace like God gives peace. He's the only one that can give an everlasting peace in these situations. Reflecting back, is there something that you would want to share with us? Last thoughts. <laughs> I think... Um, I will never trade this year for anything. It was the most difficult year of my life. Um, but I've never experienced God's presence and his peace like I've done in the last year. Never. And I won't trade that for anything, experiencing God. Awesome. From my side, um, for the first time in my life, um, I was confronted with something that I could not fix myself, mm. that I had to totally rely on God um, for outcome. And like you listen says, it's like a first year in the varsity. One traded for anything, but it was the worst year ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 
Because you guys said you're going to be really emotional. Now I'm crying more than you. I want to honor you for willing to share this. honor you for the way you carried yourself, carried your family. I honor you for your willingness to glorify God without knowing what will happen. And sitting here today sharing the story, we know Reynard's story is not done. We know that God has only started. But God is also not done with you. And may his story continue not just to bless people but bring healing to people's lives. May it continue to reveal who God is. May it continue to inspire how do we glorify God. And may you experience God's grace and blessing on you as a family because you were willing to glorify him. Let's give the man. I hope you heard certain points, and we, we didn't plan it that way. But I hope you hear the mystery of God, the reality of life, then receiving the power of God, and then there's another mystery of God who needs to go for another operation. But I hope you hear that God was with them in every step. I hope you hear that there was a, we're going to glorify God regardless of what happens. We look at the scripture of Lazarus. One of the most powerful, important moments of this miracle is found in verse 35. Jesus wept. I read this and I thought about it. I thought this should, this should be a scripture that all of us should memorize. It's really easy. John 11 verse 35 says, Jesus wept. But there's so much more in those two words. Two significant, powerful, and very important words. Jesus wept. Now think about it. Why is Jesus crying? He already knew four days earlier that Lazarus would die. He's not surprised by his death. We also knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. We see this from the conversation he had with Mary. So Jesus knows he's dead. Jesus knows he's going to raise him from the dead. There's nothing to be sad about in regards to Lazarus. So why is Jesus crying? And if you read this, Jesus is not just crying. He's troubled. He's weeping. This troubled can be translated. There's almost this anger towards what's happening. Jesus wept. Why is Jesus so moved by emotion? See, Jesus looks at Mary, looks at Martha, he looks at everybody around them, and he sees the pain and suffering, the heartache of the people. He sees what the people are facing because of sin. And Jesus has compassion on them. Jesus is saddened by the effect of sin on this world. And this shows us something about the heart of God. Even though Jesus knew he was dead, even though Jesus knew he was going to raise him, he was still moved by the effect of sin in people's lives. He was moved by their hurt. God weeps. 
for the pain of this world. He's a compassionate God. And He's not indifferent towards our pain and our suffering in this world. He cares. And the compassion of God should comfort us in the realities of life. The compassion of God should tell us there's a God that is loving and willing to be next to us. Even when it doesn't make sense. Even when everything says, if you love, why are you doing this? The compassion of God tells us, I am with you. I'm going to go with you through this. I'm not going to leave you. Therefore, we can, like the psalmist say in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And listen, I spoke about a peace of God, presence of God that you cannot explain. The compassion of God gives us comfort in the mysteries of God and the realities of life, knowing that we are not alone. God is with us. God is weeping with us. God is associating with our pain. He's not indifferent. He is moved by our pain. God is compassionate towards the pain and suffering caused by sin. So much so that he was willing to suffer. So that we may never face suffering alone again. The father looked at this world and he said, well, because of pain and suffering, I'm willing to suffer as a father. And I will give my son. I will give my son to this world that will hate me and reject me and blame me. And accuse me of everything, but I cannot leave them alone. And I'll give my son. And I know my son will suffer. He will suffer more than anyone will be able to imagine. And the father gave his son knowing that there will be a moment where he will pull away from his son. There will be a moment on the cross where Jesus did not just face excruciating physical pain, but he faced the pain of suffering of where God left him. And he cried out, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment, Jesus faced the suffering that we would never have to face again, the suffering to be without God. Do you realize even this morning sitting here, it's by the grace of God. Even if you don't believe in God, even though you feel near to God, it is by the grace of God that He upholds us, protects us. But Jesus had to suffer the penalty of sin. Jesus went through hell. That's what it means to be without God. No love, no compassion, no. Jesus went through hell. He faced the ultimate suffering, the penalty of sin. So that we'll never suffer alone again. So that we'll never face that suffering. 
which brings us to the ultimate purpose of this miracle. The purpose wasn't just to heal Lazarus. Very rarely is the purpose of healing for healing. You would receive healing and there would be another occasion where you fell ill again. The purpose of raising Lazarus from the dead was not to have him live forever. Lazarus is not, yes, walking around. Somewhere he died again. The purpose of life through resurrection was not intended for life in resurrection. It was for something else. It was to demonstrate the glory of God. So when Jesus raises Lazarus out of the death, when the stone is rolled away and he comes walking out, it is a demonstration of what will happen in the next couple of days. That Jesus will rise from the dead. That there will be another stone that's being rolled away in front of another tomb. But that will be an ultimate resurrection. Where Jesus will rise from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God and that he has authority over all earth, over death and over sin. It will be a resurrection that glorifies God forever. The ultimate purpose of this resurrection was to glorify God. This is the glory of God. That one man died to show that all may live. This is the glory of God. One man died so that all may live. And Jesus turns to Martha and he explains to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? This is the glory of God, that in Jesus, that what is spiritually dead in this world will come to life. And we'll be resurrected. And in this life, in this world, the glory of God is that we can have new life. That we can have a spiritual awakening in our lives. That we may have a life where we can appeal to the power of God and where we can experience the compassion of God. This is the glory of God. That in this life, that what is spiritually dead may be resurrected. This is the glory of God, that even though we will die, this is the bad news, you will die. Our lives will not end in this broken world full of pain and suffering. This is the glory of God. It does not end here. There is a life beyond this world. And death is the inevitable door through which all of us must walk. All of us at some stage of life will walk through the death of the door of death into the next life because this world will not end here. The glory of God does not end in this world in suffering and pain. There's something more. We need to ask ourselves, what life will be waiting for us beyond that door? And I know people don't like to speak about the afterlife and what, you know, scare people into heaven. You know what? Being afraid to speak about car accidents 
because you don't want people to be afraid of being in an accident. It's like telling someone, we're not going to tell you anything about driving a car, just so that you don't fear being in an accident. Because we, want to, we, we don't want you to be a, a good driver out of fear for making an accident, so therefore we're not going to tell you anything about obeying speed limits, wearing a safety belt, or what do you, how do you drive. We're just going to leave you to do whatever you think is right, just so that you don't fear being in an accident. What life is waiting for you beyond the door of death? Because there is a life. This is the glory of God. That even though we might die, we don't have to fear the life beyond this door. This is the glory of God. That even though we might die in this life, we don't have to fear the life beyond, beyond this world. See, in this way, God is not just glorified in this world through His power, but God is also glorified beyond this world in death. I want to share an example, not an example, a testimony. Earlier this year, a friend of ours passed away really young mother of two happily married we know her from varsity days and uh, in the fem- November we got a call and we asked to pray with them, they come and visited our house she re- received quite a severe diagnosis of cancer and we prayed all of us prayed family prayed, everyone prayed. 31st of December, I got a call from her husband and said, would you come into the hospital? She's been admitted again. Went to the hospital, prayed for her there. Family came through, we prayed. And there's a stage where they said, the doctor said, we can do nothing more. It's only God. Only God can save her. We had a group of people just visiting her, praying for her, going to her. And she and her husband held on to the promise of God. It's going to heal her. They believed God is going to heal her. And they held on, and they held on, and held on. And a couple of days, a couple of weeks later, she walked through that door. Walking through that door created so many questions. God, you're late. What about her kids? What about her husband? What, God, what she can still do for your kingdom? What a great testimony it could have been if you came through in power. But in the mystery of God, it didn't. She had to walk through that door into a different life. I remember standing there next to her bed. 
And there was a moment with her husband where I said, if you look at her, do you see pain and suffering anymore? He said, no. She's in a world where there's no more pain and suffering. A couple of days later, it was a funeral. You know, there must have been so many people that's just wondering, why did God allow this? Some of you have your own stories. Why did God, God allow this? Why didn't God come through? I've never experienced something like that. If you go onto Facebook now, you will see that her funeral received close to 6,000 streams already. 6,000 people tuned in. Her funeral was beautiful because it was all about God. Not the mysteries of God, but the glory of God. Her funeral was a testimony that she lived the life that made a difference in this world. There were so many people testifying as to the impact that she made to her life. There were so many people that was moved by their faith in their darkest hour, holding on to God, and in her death, God was glorified. Because in the midst of the most difficult questions of life, we can say God is good because this world does not end in pain and suffering. There's a life beyond this world. There's a life beyond that door. And we glorify God that we don't go through that door alone. But she lived a life, glorified God. And her death glorified God. Was it easy? Is it easy for her friends and family that's left behind? No, but the compassion of God says, I'm with you. But God was glorified. Like any movie, our lives will have a beginning and an end. And in the story of life, there will be unexpected moments. Moments where we'll have to face the realities of this life. Moments where we'll wrestle with the mystery of God. But in those moments, we hold on to the power of God that gives us hope. We appeal to the power of God that He will bring change. We hold on to the compassion of God that gives us comfort in our darkest hours, knowing that He is with us and He'll walk with us. And we glorify God that He gives us assurance of life beyond this world. Gives us assurance we will not end in pain and suffering. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe that? Because the way that we experience this part of God, the compassion and the glory of God is we believe that He is who He said He is, that He is the Son of God, that He is the first one that's resurrected. And we live our lives the way that Jesus says, whoever lives in belief that I am the resurrected life. Meaning we discover life by dying. We discover life by having death in mind knowing that there will be a day when my life will glorify Jesus.
Therefore, I do everything now in response to saying, you are God and I am not. Do you believe? This is a personal decision. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will never will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Let's pray. I want to give an opportunity this morning for those of you who sit here and you say, there's a fear for the life beyond this door of death. Those of you who sit here and you say, well, I cannot say that Jesus is the resurrected life. I cannot say that my life is glorifying Him. I cannot say that, that I believe after this life there will be life for me. I don't want to manipulate you through fear, but it will also be so unloving not to speak about this. But if that's you this morning, you say, I've never, ever made a decision to die to myself and to believe that Jesus is enough. Would you, out of response, raise your hand? Saying that you're not sure what happens beyond the door of death. Then I also want us to pray this morning. Those of you, maybe you're struggling with the mysteries of God. Maybe you've been trusting God and you haven't seen Him come through. Maybe you've been caught off guard by the realities of this life. Maybe you're just disappointed in me. This morning again, you want to say, God, I want to die to myself. I want to experience your glory. I want to experience your compassion. I want to experience new life. If that's you, I would love to pray for you. Again, I want to ask that you raise your hand. Would you just open your hands in front of you as a sign? All of us can go in a moment of prayer. Maybe some of us need to thank God that you have experienced new life. Thank God for the power of life, power of God in your life. But I specifically want to pray for those of you who've raised your hands now. And Lord, I pray that by your grace that you would come and touch them. Lord, I pray in this moment that you would do something through your compassion in their hearts, Lord. I pray that you would make them aware of your presence. And Lord, may you fill them with your peace in this moment, Lord. And may they know that they are not alone. We appeal to your character, Lord. We appeal to your goodness in this moment, Lord. And Lord, we pray and we ask, Lord, by your will, would you come and move in power? Would you come and change their circumstances, change their hearts, change their emotions, Lord? But Lord, ultimately this morning, we submit unto you, Lord, and we say it's for your glory, Lord. 
And Lord, would you help us to glorify you? Help us to glorify you in this life. Help us to empower us to live in such a way that we die to ourselves and we glorify you, Lord. Lord, I pray for every person that's stuck in the mystery of God, wondering why you didn't come through, Lord. I pray now that you bring them peace. You, through your compassion, make them aware of who you are. Lord, would you help them to glorify you in this moment? As a church, Lord, we say thank you, Lord, that in you there's new life. Bring you, may you bring life to our souls. May you help us to glorify you in every way possible, Lord. Because, Lord, we know that this life that we're living now is not about us. It's about you, Lord. And if we look at eternity, it's still about you. And therefore, Lord, we appeal to you. Come and change us, Lord. Come and use us. May you be glorified through our lives. We thank you, God, for who you are. And all of us say amen. I want to ask if you touch with this message this morning of what God wants to do and how God wants to be glorified in your life. Would you start praying a prayer tomorrow morning? Simple prayer. God, how can I glorify you today? Simple prayer. And then we just do what God tells us. God, how can I glorify you today? And as we do this, we see the resurrected life come alive inside of us.